0: Hey guys, welcome to my channel. Welcome to this video. My name is Dr. Tom LeHue, and uh, we talk about all kinds of things related to the Enneagram here. We're gonna be looking at Type 4 and going through the Type 4 checklist before we get started. Just a reminder that in the description below is a link to my website, tomlahue.com, where you can book coaching appointments enneagram coaching appointments enneagram relationship coaching appointments anything i can do to help you can find that information there at tomlehue.com. also i have certificate programs if you want to become an enneagram coach um, you're interested in the Enneagram Coaching Certificate or the Relationship Certificate or the Christian Life Enneagram Certificate, all that information is on the website. Thanks again to my supporters on Patreon. I really appreciate your support. I know you don't have to do it, and I just thank you for supporting the channel. Okay, we're going to be looking at Type 4 today, and um, I'm going to be drawing information out of Beatrice Chestnut's new book, uh, The Enneagram Guide to Waking Up. If you haven't got this book yet, I highly highly recommend it. I think it's a super book, uh, and I think you'll really appreciate it, and you'll find it very helpful to understanding yourself and understanding those uh, around you that you love. If you're a Type 4, welcome to the video. If you live with a Type 4, love a Type 4, have a Type 4 in your family or in your social network, I hope this helps you understand how to relate better and get along with each other better. I do have a daughter uh, who is a 4, Madison. She has Down Syndrome and uh, so that alone makes her a little bit unique and special, but that's not how she would define her specialness. Uh, but um, So I do understand a little about uh, Type 4s from living with a Type 4. And sometimes type fours can confuse us, and it can be hard for us, other types, to try to understand what's going on inside the mind and the heart of a four, and in no way can I truly understand that. But I'm going to try to relay uh, what I do understand, along with uh, looking at the list here that's given in this book. And yes, I do prepare. You can see I read through uh, the whole book. The whole book I've read through, but uh, I, I, I want to take a second and just go through this Type four checklist. Now, before I do that, before I go through that list, it's probably going to take a minute. But something that she does at the beginning of each of these chapters is kind of tells the backstory of your type, and uh, she'll she'll choose that you know, like uh, once upon a time, you know, that there was this little girl named four. Uh, or when she does chapter 3, you know, or chapter 2, a little girl named 2 or a little boy named 8. And and so let's just take a second and let me just kind of go through and highlight some of that that little story about type 4. I think it's well done and fascinating um and maybe you can identify some with with this story. She starts off with a quote from uh, Harold Coffin. I don't know Harold Coffin. I'll have to look him up. But it says, Envy, you know, this the passion of the four or the sin of the four is envy. Envy is the art of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. Ugh, okay. Envy is such a difficult sin to live with or such a difficult passion to live with. Uh, you know, I'm a type seven. And so gluttony is mine that I find that dragon everywhere in my life, just creeping up. And I think envy uh, is a very difficult sin to try to arrest. Always wondering, you know, what other people are thinking about me? How am I fitting in, comparing myself with others? What do they have that I don't have? Uh, it can be a very difficult sin to to try to manage. Okay, so let's let's look at the uh, let's look at the once upon a time fairy tale story, and then we'll uh, we'll go to the list and go through the checklist and see how many of those that you can identify with. So she begins with once upon a time there was a person named Four. Uh, when she was young, she had a deep connection with the whole world a deep connection with all the important people with mommy and daddy with all their family a deep connection and i think that's a a very interesting way to start with the type 4 because that's not the first thing that came to my mind when i think about type 4 is, is is longing for connection and so i think that's that's something that i've picked up you know from reading this this uh section is at the beginning of it all four had this deep connection now four is going to lose this connection Four is going to feel like it's some for some reason. There's been this disconnection, and that's probably what you'll read in most of these books. You know, is that the backstory on four feels like a loss of connection, primarily with the pro uh, pro not the protector, the the uh, the caregiving parent. So the the maternal parent. It feels like there's this disconnection, and the four wonders. What did I do to cause this? Uh, this this loss of love or this loss of attention. Um, so there, at one time, there was a deep connection to the world, and she felt very cherished by her parents, as all children should. She felt very cared for, like almost like the center of the family uh, at one point. Back a long time ago, when I first came into this world, I felt loved and cared about and understood and cherished and deep connection. And then something happened and everything changed. Now, in the story that she tells, you know, a new baby was born. A new baby was born and that new baby started to get all the attention, started to get all of the affection and all of the, and you know, something disconnected between the four and and the family. And all of the attention now went to this new baby. And I don't know that it has to happen that way because maybe you had a younger brother and felt that way or maybe you didn't. Um, you know, Obviously, if you didn't have a younger brother, you're still a four. And so I don't think you know it's always caused by something like this. You might interpret it in some other way. Um, wasn't a new baby who came into the family, but maybe you moved or maybe you changed schools or maybe a parent died or... Or or all of the attention went to someone else in the family because they had an illness or they accomplished so much or something else. But I, I think it's good the way she tells it. You know, this new baby comes into the family and look, they get all the attention. They get all the connection. And what happens to older sister? What happens to the four sister? Well, you know, uh, you're being too sensitive. Um, it's not about you um, we're trying to, to play or take care of the baby and you need to, you need to take care of yourself or you need to go find something to do. And everybody just seemed to be too busy to be connected to the little four. Everybody seemed to be occupied or preoccupied and they didn't have the same, you know, attention that they used to show. And now the four doesn't receive this, this, coveted spot in the family that they used to have. They fell from grace, you might say. And so they're not the most special child that they used to be. They got the sense that whatever I used to be or whatever position I used to hold, I've lost that position. I've lost that connection. And uh, when she wanted someone to play with her or when she wanted someone to hug her, uh, they were too busy Everyone was too busy, too preoccupied, perhaps with the baby or with just their own lives to really uh, make that deep connection with with her. And so she felt unimportant and she felt alone and she felt very ordinary. Now, let me just pause there for a second and say, I can imagine that feels awful. I think maybe it's just worth the rest of us thinking about that for a moment, that if I felt alone and unimportant and ordinary, um, as a seven, you know, I, I don't think of it so much as ordinary. I would say it more like unoriginal, you know, boring and unoriginal. Ooh, that feels awful to me. Uh, and I'm an ENFP. So NF authenticity and FP individuality, uh, boring and unoriginal. um, you know, I, would, I wouldn't I would want to be called ordinary or unoriginal, um, boring. And I, I can imagine that if I felt unimportant, alone, and ordinary, I think those would be awful feelings to feel. And I think, you know, that could be something that you might want to move away from. What do I need to do to not be those things? In other words, you know, a four, like a three, like a two... I could do something to change this. If you were feeling unimportant and, and, and um, alone and ordinary, you might get the sense that, well, maybe there's something I could do. Maybe there's something I could do to change how other people are perceiving me as unimportant and alone and ordinary, excuse me. Maybe there's something I could do. What could I do? And then you might go out seeking to try different things to prove to everyone that you are not unimportant and ordinary. And that could lead you down a very interesting path. At what point would you realize, I'm just like doing things to prove that I'm not ordinary. Uh, Things that maybe I don't even really want to do. Um, Okay, let's keep going. Um, four made sense of this terrible new situation of being ordinary and unimportant and alone, and all the attentions going to someone else. She made uh, believing that she must have to must have done something wrong to cause this loss of connection, or there's something fatally flawed about me. Obviously, if there's some there's, I'm feeling disconnected from the people that used to make me the center of their life, then I must have done something to deserve this. Or maybe there's just something inherently wrong about me, something I'm not seeing about myself. I need to go away and I need to self examine and I need to, you know, scan over who I am and what I'm doing. And I need to really reflect and think about and look for what is the flaw? What is it in my personality? What is it about me? What is it I'm doing or saying that's causing this loss of connection that I'm feeling? And that's a key. I'm feeling it, so it must be true. Maybe it's not as true as your feelings are indicating. And that's a good thought for fours uh, all across the board, is maybe I put too much emphasis on what I'm feeling, as though that is the reality. And maybe it is your reality, but it might not be as objective as the present moment. Um, others might not understand. Why would you feel that way? What have we done? We don't want you to feel that way. Um, Okay, but you might have a tendency, you know, to over-identify with feelings, which that's going to come up when we talk about the list. All right? Okay, so after all, they didn't seem to care about me the way they used to. They used to demonstrate this care, and I felt cared, and I felt loved, and I felt And now I don't feel that. So I must have done something. There must be something inherently wrong about me. It must be my fault. They must have discovered that there was something wrong with with her. This new baby must somehow be better than I am. Or this other person must somehow be better. You know, I should study them. I should move in close to that more perfect, ideal person. And that's envy. I need to move in close and I need to understand what is it that's so wonderful about them? What is it that's so special about her? She walks into the room and all the boys uh, look at her and they make these comments about her. Why, she's not even trying. I need to become her friend and move in close and get to know what is it about her that makes her so much the object of everyone's desire. Um, and you know, a four under stress might look a little bit like a two moving in close to those more perfect people, those important people, those attractive people moving in close to befriend, you know, the two is called the befriender, the giver, the helper. And so when you see that four moving in, uh, close to that, to that celebrated artist or moving in close to that beautiful, tall, dark, and handsome, or that that wonderful, attractive, or most talented person that everyone is just fawning over, when the four moves in to befriend that person, you might wonder, oh, are you feeling a little bit stressed? Are you feeling a little bit anxious? Are you feeling a little bit like you're not comparing so well against this other person? And so you've got to, like a two, move in and flatter them and, 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 and move in close and befriend them are you feeling a loss of connection? Are you feeling a lot and fearing a loss of connection? Is that why you're doing whatever it takes to, in a very needy way, to try to gain this connection back that feels lost to you? And that's when a four looks like a two under stress. It doesn't mean you're bad, okay? It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means the rest of us might realize at that moment, oh, you 're feeling a little anxious, you 're feeling a little worried, and I think a lot of fours do struggle with anxiety uh, in that way, not in the same way as six, like my environment, somebody's out to get me. But what is it that's off about me that others you know are perceiving, or what is it that's so wonderful about them, and how am I compared? with them. And there can be a lot of anxiety about that. It doesn't mean you're bad when you're when you're feeling very needy. You probably hate that about yourself. You probably don't like yourself when you're feeling very needy and very longing for connection um, or drawn to those ideal people, uh, trying to get close to them and see what is so unique and special about them. You probably don't like it about yourself, but it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you're under stress. Um, and... Maybe you could be more gentle with yourself in those moments rather than condemn yourself further uh, and punish yourself. And maybe you could be more gentle with yourself and realize, oh, I think I'm feeling stressed right now. Um, Okay. Uh, Where am I? Others may must have discovered there's something wrong with me and this new baby is somehow better. And I don't think it has to be a new baby. It could be that cheerleader over there or that that athlete over there that you're comparing yourself, or that student over there you're comparing, or that artist, or that writer, or that CEO, or whoever it is that you might find yourself comparing yourself with. Four's new way of thinking caused her some pain and distress, but, but, but over time, she gradually got used to feeling that sadness got used to feeling bad, used to feeling that pain. It just became a normal part. And there's that melancholy aspect that fours sometimes get tagged with, like just kind of accepting that bad feeling or that sad feeling. Something that sevens don't really understand. Why would I want to feel sad? It seems like a choice. You know that quote from Abraham Lincoln, you know, most people are about as happy as they choose to be. Well, I'm going to choose to be happy. I'm going to choose to move toward what's happier. happier feels better than sadness. So why would I focus my attention on the things that are making me sad? I want to focus my attention on other things. And that could make sevens very shallow. It could certainly keep us at the surface. And I think Forrest could probably get frustrated at times with the shallowness or the perceived shallowness of sevens. Because why would I choose to feel sad? And I don't know that fours would think of it as a choice. Um, They might think of it as their reality. Um, Interesting. Maybe something for you to think about. Okay, she reasoned if it's her fault that she felt this loss of connection that she once felt, maybe she could do something to regain it. Maybe she could somehow make a connection with others by showing the world how special she is, how unique she is, how eccentric she is how uh, exotic, how uh, uh, different she is. Or maybe she could uh, help them to regain that connection by showing how much she's willing to endure and how much suffering she personally goes through. And when they see that suffering and when they see that endurance, then surely they'll appreciate me. They'll appreciate me and they'll, they'll love me and they'll... Be grateful that I'm willing to bear all of this shame and all of this pain. And they'll want to value me again and reconnect with me. Um, And over time, you know, sadness can become a familiar friend to a four. uh, Keeping her company when she is lonely. I was thinking about the other day, the song by Elton John, Sad Songs Say So Much. It's kind of such an interesting song because it's it's like an upbeat melody. Turn them on, turn them on, turn on those sad songs. And it's kind of an interesting song because it's like when you, When all hope is gone, and when everything feels terrible and your relationships are broken, you can find so much you know joy in hearing somebody singing a sad song like that that sadness happens to other people too, and there's just something that lifts your spirit when you sing a sad song and you hear a sad song because it's it's almost like and I think Elton John is a four so it's kind of like you know there's this there's this comfort or this happiness. Or this upbeat melody, you know, tune that can be found in your heart in, in being sad and in playing those sad songs and, and hearing that other people are having sadness as well. It's very interesting. I find it very interesting. Okay. Over time, Four tried different ways to rebuild the connection she had lost. She tried to get people to see her and get them to see how special she was and how extraordinary she was and how unique. Look, extraordinary, extraordinary. I'm ordinary with a little bit extra. You might have been told, you know, oh my goodness, you're you're extra, you know, you're you're uh, uh extraordinary. Uh, okay, so uh, drawing beautiful pictures. You know, writing authentic poems or lyrics to songs. My daughter Madison. She likes to sit in her room for long periods of time writing lyrics to songs, um, and then she sings these songs. And you know, sometimes to me they make sense, and sometimes they don't make so much sense. Um, and I don't know whether it's the fortis or whether it's the down syndrome. I don't always know, but it. it she's she's writing all of these feelings down getting them on paper and documenting them okay and it's so interesting i mean it just says right here in this book that that maybe she could get people to see how unique and extraordinary she is by expressing her emotional depth by singing sad songs or by writing lyrics to music but no one seemed to notice her specialness no one seemed to notice, no one seemed to care, no one seemed to be um, astounded by that specialness. They just came at her and said, you're being too sensitive. Uh, you're being um, too dramatic. Now, what is a four going to feel? When they're trying to show the world their, their inner selves, to reconnect And they get the response from people that you're being too dramatic and too sensitive. And I think at that point, a four is going to feel misunderstood. And they are being misunderstood. And honestly, if you didn't understand the Enneagram, it would be very hard to try to understand. How is it you think you're going to make connections with people by by offering sadness? By offering um, most or by being so different than us. If I said, you know, I live in Florida and you said, um, let's talk about something else because that makes us similar. And I want to be different than you. You know, most people find connection by, hey, we grew up in the same town or we went to the same high school or we both like chocolate or we both like Mexican food. And when everything is, well, I can't be the same as you, and I have to be different than you. I guess we're not connecting then. I guess we don't have a connection. So it is hard for the rest of us, I think, to understand how you're trying to make connections by showing how disconnected you are. You've no doubt experienced that correction from others. You're being too sensitive. You're being too dramatic. It's not about you. You're making it about you. This isn't about you. Why does everything come back to you? Which is probably only going to further embed that feeling of flawedness or that the way you're framing your own disconnection and loss of connection. Like, what's the point? You know, what's the point? I'm too much for them. I'm too much for them. Clearly, I'm too much for you. So what's the point of even trying to connect anymore? No one seemed to notice her specialness. They just said she's too sensitive and too dramatic. When she tried telling them about all of the intricate feelings and all of the authentic feelings um, and all of her pain and loss, um, they probably just said, you need to focus on the positive. You're being a negative Nelly right now, and you know, you came from a good Christian home, and you have parents that love you, and we sent you to a private school, and you should focus on all the wonderful things we've tried to give you. And look at you, you're just focusing on on the negative. You need to change your attitude. And my guess is that would just shut it down. That would just shut down the connection. So the four is trying to connect, scold, 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 from the caregivers from the family members and there's probably just going to just be like a shut off of connection um and i think that the other people in your life think they're helping you you should focus on the positive you need to change your attitude nobody wants to listen to this nobody wants to deal with this you're being too dramatic and they think they're guiding you to you know a better path but my guess is to you it just feels like misunderstood um never going to really connect that nobody really wants to you know hear your true authentic feelings that you're just being too much you're being too extra for them um none of her efforts made for feel understood or special but eventually these ways of feeling and thinking and acting become habits um No one gave her the understanding or the deep connection that she longed for. Again, I see this word connection over and over again, like a two. And I guess I just didn't expect to see that word mentioned so many times, that fours are longing for connection because it just seems so counterintuitive to somebody who's not a four that you long for connection by showing how you're different by showing how special or by 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 moving away from the group the whole group is over here laughing and celebrating and you're moving away from the group and that's how you long, that's how you show your longing for connection you got to see from you got to try to push against your personality for a second and try to be a little more objective and see how the rest of us could be confused hey we're all going shopping do you want to go with this uh no i'm not i'm i'm going to stay home okay that's somehow indicating your longing for connection we're all going in this direction and you're going off in a different direction to to us that is on the surface going to look like you don't want to be connected to us you want to be disconnected. You are not like us. You are different than us. And so you march to the beat of a different drum. You are a part of a different tribe. And so, okay, we'll let you go your way and we'll all go this other way. And that's going to ingrain further in your mind that you don't fit in. And it's going to ingrain further in our mind that you don't want to be a part of us. And meanwhile, according to the book, is you really do want to be a part of that group. You really do want to be connected, maybe not to that group, but to some group. You really do want to, I think as a human, you know, that you do long for connection. It's just not necessarily going to be understood. As we watch your behaviors and hear your words, I think it's going to be hard for us to come to that conclusion based on what we're seeing. And that could be a blind spot, certainly could be a blind spot for you. Okay, so where are we? We haven't gotten to the list yet, and we're almost 30 minutes in, so i got to keep moving. Keep moving! Um, Driven by this desire to feel connected again, but feeling totally unworthy. um, Longing for love and understanding and deep connection. Yearning! For someone who will love me in spite of my flawedness, yearning and longing. And there it is. Fours have this yearning and longing for something removed from them, something distant from them. Someone who will come in and, and fill in that emptiness that I feel. Um, who will understand me and love me for who I am. And uh, someone or something that will help me feel worthy again of of other people's connection. Without realizing it, the strategies that Fora has adopted have come to rule her life. Um, a lot of people thought it odd that she tried to get love and understanding by focusing on being unworthy of it. There it is, that disconnection. Like, I'm not understanding. In your strategies of showing that you are feeling unworthy of love and connection, you're trying to attain love and connection. I guess the simplest way maybe to think about it is I remember reading early on that, you know, twos show how loving they are by rescuing, you know, the lost. They're gonna go out and they're gonna rescue people. They're gonna rescue that poor lost soul, you know, and they're going to look how look how important I am because I rescued these people. And with fours it's kind of the opposite. Like they're going to move away and they'll know they have worth and value if someone they admire or someone they care about comes and rescues them. And so, either way, you could kind of demonstrate worth. Um, I'm the person that rescues people that no one else will. Or I felt lost and alone. And, you know, this person felt I was worth coming after or going after or pursuing. I was worth being pursued. That's going to be exhausting to the people in your life. You have to see that. That's going to be exhausting to the people in your life. Like, if, you know, if, it, if often everybody's at this table and you move over to this other table, we're going to start to assume that you don't want to sit with us. You want us to come and pursue you? Maybe you don't want all of us. Maybe you just want one of us. Maybe you just want Dad. Or maybe you just want, you know, Henry. Ooh, Henry. Maybe you just want Henry to come over to the table and invite you back over or or to join you at that table. That's a lot for us to try to figure out. And are we going to give it the time to try to sort that out and figure it out? Or maybe we're just going to scold you. Get over here and sit with your family. Get over here. You need to sit with us. You need to stay with us. Why are you wandering off by yourself? That's probably what you're going to hear is just a scolding. Misunderstood, right? Misunderstood. I don't know that I have all this figured out. Please be patient with me. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm on a journey trying to understand not only my own personality to how it's constructed and then deconstructed and then reconstructed, but I'm trying to understand it with all the types and fours can be quite challenging to understand. It's probably because you're so different. (laughs) All right. So yearning for someone or something to help them feel worthy. Um, So people are going to be confused that you're trying to find connection and love and a sense of value from others by focusing all your attention on how you're unworthy of all of that. But every once in a while, her strategy does work and you do receive attention, negative attention, but attention nonetheless. It's kind of like, well, if I can't score any points in basketball, at least I'll get on the board for fouling somebody. Smack! And there it is, right? that force scratch people they kind of relate by getting close like a cat purring and then scratching for no apparent reason from our perspective like what did i do how did i cause that reaction and the cat scratches you and runs away seems like the cat wants to be left alone am i supposed to pursue them am i supposed to go after them this is all very confusing and a lot of people, relationships. they just think, this is going to be easy. We're just going to watch television. We're going to go out for dinner. We're going to talk about, you know, our day. And we're going to walk the dog. And, uh, you know, we'll kiss and go to bed. It should be simple. Relationships should be simple. What? Ow. Scratch. Run. What do I do now? I don't know what I did. Maybe I'm the problem. And some people won't do well in a relationship that becomes complex. And that could be a challenge. All right. So occasionally someone would see the four, how special they were, and they would try to give her the love that she longed for. But by that time, she was totally convinced that she didn't deserve that love and she hadn't been good enough, or or they would eventually, what, not be available. You know, so there's this fear, right? If I were to open up, if I were to truly open up to receive this connection from someone else, and you're a four, if you were to open up and receive this connection from someone else, you know, what if they rejected me? What if they made me feel those awful feelings again? You know, what if, what if for some reason I they found out I was flawed? Or they found out I wasn't as special or as wonderful. Or what if I was just a little brown mouse? What if they found out underneath all of these flowers and all of this plumage and all of this silk and all of this crystal? What if they found under all of this I was just a little brown mouse? They would reject me. And that feels so painful. I remember what that was like when I was a little child and the little brother was born and everybody paid attention to him and not me any longer. And I wasn't special and I can't go through that pain again. I can't go through that pain again. So I'll just go ahead and scratch them now. I'll just go ahead and push them away now because I can't go through that pain again. I want you to see that, you know, there there might be people in your life that have tried or are trying to love you. And they don't understand this problem. They don't understand what it means to be a fool. They just know that every time I try to get close to you, ow, I get pushed back in some way. I get tested. Why are you testing me? Why are you telling me these deep, dark things? I thought we were just out for coffee. I thought we were just, you know, friends just having pizza together. Um... And you, you might find a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I know that people are one day going to reject me, so I'm going to tell them this awful thing about myself. I'm going to show them this, 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 this disgusting side of me and watch them reject me. I knew they would. I knew they would. But, you know, if you're showing people an awful side of yourself and you're telling them disgusting things about yourself... I mean, do you blame them? See, they weren't really going to love me. Well, maybe they're trying. Maybe they're trying to love you, and they just don't do it perfectly. Maybe they can't meet your ideal standards of what you think love and acceptance and understanding and all that, because they're just people too. There's a sense in which what I think you're really longing for is is the Garden of Eden. You're longing for that, that complete, total... Acceptance and value that humanity doesn't have anymore. Will you, okay, here's another way to think about it. Maybe what you're longing for, you'll never completely find in this life. What if you could just accept that? Now, before you go off on me about this, think about me. I'm a seven with the sin of gluttony. So there's always room for more, right? I could always, I have three electric guitars. I want that fourth electric guitar. Then I'll be happy. So I get the fourth electric guitar. Then what? Oh, there's another one. There's a fifth electric guitar. If I get that one, then I'll be happy. What's the problem? Gluttony. As soon as you have enough, there's always more. What if I realized I'm never really going to satisfy gluttony in this life? Because there's always more that could be had. Once I accept that and sort of grieve that loss, maybe I could just enjoy what I have instead of always chasing after what I don't have. Let's bring that back to the fore. People maybe are trying to connect with you and love you and care about you. And and, uh, maybe it's never going to be as idealistic as you would like, but maybe... No one in life is ever really going to meet your high standard. If I could just kind of grieve that loss, maybe I could be more present to the people in my life as they are, who are trying to connect with me as they are, and I wouldn't have to push back on them so much. Because you're going to reject me. That feels awful. I want you to see that at the end of the day, all of these personality types are self-protective. Like, I can't experience the pain of what it felt like when I was a child and I got kind of brushed aside or moved aside. I was in—I was someone's center of their world at one time and then I fell from that position. And that is so painful and I'm so afraid of that that I'm afraid to ever really open up and connect again and to be the center of someone's life because it would be so painful to fall from that I'll go ahead and, what, turn them on, turn on those sad songs. I would rather play the old sad songs of how disconnected and unloved and uncared for I am. I would rather play those old tunes, those old tapes, those old memories than to risk opening myself up for real connection with others. Because what if it was taken away from me? So you might find yourself, you know, lamenting in your room over a lost love because you're afraid to open up to a possible love that is right in front of you. Because what if it was taken away from me? That'd be so painful. I'd rather just go ahead and sing the sad songs about lost love now. Or I'd go ahead and push people away because they're going to eventually reject me because I'm fatally flawed. And I think, you know, if you're a four, you have the tendency to see the worst about yourself. Okay, watch this. You're going to love this. If you're a four, you have this unique ability to see the best in others. Which doesn't always make you end up feeling great about yourself. You do. You see the best in others and then you compare yourself with them and feel awful about yourself or feel like in some way you need to change or in some way they have some advantage over you and that's what envy is is longing to be more like that like i wish i had the position they had or i wish i had the the i wish i could be okay just being you know someone like that but i can't be i'm different i'm okay you are the people that go out on the beach and you find broken bottles and rubbish on the beach. You know, pieces of wood, driftwood, and broken bottles, broken glass. And you bring it all into your home, and you create this beautiful mosaic out of other people's rubbish. That's, that's the people you are. You see the beauty in brokenness. You can accept brokenness. You see people flawed and broken and you, and you see the beauty in that. And you make simple things into beautiful things. Broken things into beautiful things. But what do you do with yourself? You tend to do the opposite with yourself. You tend to ignore the beauty in yourself and only see brokenness. Okay, you see the beauty in others, compare yourself with them and and only identify with the brokenness in yourself. You tend to see the worst in yourself and the best in others. That could make your life very challenging. If you could be more objective, if any of us can be objective, if you could be more objective, maybe you could be a little more gentle with yourself and begin to see there's so much wonderful about you that we're not going to try to reject you. We want to accept you. We want to include you. We wanna love you. We're trying to love you so much, okay? We are trying to love you, but maybe you're making it difficult for us to love you by continually focusing on, on all of your own flaws and putting them out front and center and pushing us away because you know you we're going to reject you anyway. We're trying to love you, okay? Um, If you could maybe not play the tape so loudly about all of your flaws and how miserable and horrible and awful and terrible the situation is, you might be able to be more present to the love that is being offered to you. Wow. That's deeper than I understand, okay um sure so let's see here so she be knew that she'd be disappointed with love so she began to be self-protective and push people away four becomes a zombie a very authentic emotional zombie but a zombie just the same here's the checklist okay 42 minutes into our video here's the checklist that's all right we'll spend a little more time with fours. you guys deserve it you guys really want to understand the inner workings of yourself. So you're willing to stay with the information a little longer than a lot of other types. Number one, and I can't do these as numbers because look, they're not numbers, they're just check boxes. Okay. So I'm going to confuse myself if I say numbers, but so number one, you focus much of your attention on the inner workings of your emotions. You experience a wide range of emotions and you're comfortable with intense feelings. Okay. So, your focus is internally on how do I feel about this? And and what does it mean that I feel this way about this? And why did they say that? Because they made me feel this. A wide range of emotions. Uh, I like a smaller range of emotions. I think eights have a very smaller range of emotions. Like frustration, anger, blame. You know. and Not always, but a lot of the time. Sevens, happiness, fun, excitement. Um... You have a wide range of emotions and you're comfortable feeling all those emotions. I need to be better at that. I really do. I need to be better at that. Um, Comfortable with intense feelings. And so read between the lines there. Sometimes you could seem very intense to us because a lot of people aren't comfortable with intense feelings. That makes people feel awkward and we don't like awkward. And you're getting louder or getting more emotional and we're kind of like... What do we need to do to, like, stop this? What do we need to do to make this go away? Because we're not comfortable with intense feelings. Okay. You can easily see what's missing in any situation and in yourself. Okay. Now, that could could really be a strength if you had certain jobs. You know, you walk in and, and you're supposed to, like, how could this be better how could this be more awesome? How could this be more wonderful? How could this be more attractive? How could this be better? How could we do a better job? I can see where that could be just a wonderful skill, a wonderful ability, you know, to to in, to improve certain environments where you work. Yikes. But it could be a very difficult thing to live with in much of your life like what if you go to a family reunion for example and everybody's sitting there and everybody's having a good time and everybody's eating and talking and slapping backs and hee-haw and yeah hi and in all that jibber jabber and jaw jacking and everything and you have that sense that something's missing here something's missing about this i'm not fitting in i'm not belonging i'm not connecting something's wrong what if there's nothing wrong? What if everything is exactly as it should be? No, there's something missing. Well, you're going, to, you're going to find it. And you're going to want to deal with it. And the rest of us are going to think, oh my goodness. Why can't you focus on the positive? Why does there always have to be some problem? Why does there always have to be some dramatic? Why does there always have to be something to, to be upset about? because we're not necessarily all looking for what's missing okay you often compare yourself to others you know what happens when you compare yourself with others well chances are i mean you might improve it might it might instigate some desire to improve wow they're doing better than me i should work harder i should improve But my guess is is probably what happens mostly when you compare yourself with others is you're going to feel one of two negative emotions. One, pride. I'm doing a lot better than they are. They're lame. I'm awesome. They're terrible. Okay, that's one route. Or the other route, which is probably much more likely for fours, is I'm lame. I'm... Why would anybody want to be on my team? Why would anybody choose me? They're doing fantastic. They're... I think the other is you could become very depressed or very disdained or very disgusted because, well, I could never do what they're doing or I could never compare with that or they have all the advantages. You know, envy is a very difficult sin because it kind of gives the implication that the other person needs to fail in order for me to be happy. And that's going to be hard for relationships, right? It's going to be hard for you to... If you don't wrestle with this dragon of envy, if you don't daily subdue this dragon, it's going to make relationships with other people very difficult because it's hard for me to get close to somebody that kind of wants me to fail, whose happiness somehow hinges on... Me, on things not working out for me. I'm going to kind of be repulsed by that. Like, ew. You know, if I'm a glutton, it doesn't really have to bother anybody else. You know, I mean, really, I mean, do you care if I have three electric guitars or if I buy four? Does that really, I mean, if you're my wife, you might get upset. But I mean, most people aren't going to care if I'm a glutton because I'm not really, I'm not saying anything about them. This is, I'm just chasing after the next thing to make me happy. But when your sin is envy, you can see how other people, like, what, you You don't want me to be happy? You want me to fail? You want, you want my hair to look terrible so yours looks better? That's a bad example. One of my daughters is a nine, Kaylee. And she had a friend, quote unquote, friend, who was a four. And one time on a bus trip, You know, her friend, Kaylee's a beautiful girl with long, beautiful hair. And this other girl is a beautiful girl with long, beautiful hair. This other girl said, oh, I just love your hair, Kaylee. And then kind of like messed it up, tangled it. That's not going to feel good when you're the other person. Like, you need my hair to be awful so yours looks better. Envy just has this, I don't want to beat you up because Lord knows you do that to yourself. So I don't need to make it worse, but I just want you to think about it. Okay, how it might come across. You compare yourself to others, sometimes favorably and sometimes unfavorably. Okay, number what, five? You feel that you don't fit in. Now, sometimes you can be very proud about that these people in Oklahoma, I'm not like them, you know, these people in Nebraska, I'm just not like them, these Midwesterners, you know, and sometimes you could feel very proud of the fact that you're not fitting in, that you're not like these ordinary folks, um, these Vulgarians, you know, you might feel very proud about yourself that you don't fit in, but I think there's a part of you that longs to just fit in, like, wishes that you could just kind of like let like take this off this need to not fit in and just like just be okay being a part of the group being included in that group i would think that's got to be exhausting um so it says let me see how she says it you feel you don't fit in in both good and bad ways you're familiar with the experience of sadness no thank you Okay. Uh, you easily feel what's going on at a deeper level when people interact and what's going on beneath the surface that might not be being expressed. So you have this kind of psychic gift you know, that you've developed, this sort of sixth sense that you can kind of... Hmm, I feel like there's tension here going on between these people. There's something that's not right in this environment. You know, I'm picking up. I'm picking up something. It's like you've worked out this muscle you know, to feel very intensely what's going on that you can maybe walk into a room and sense a little bit better what's going on than someone like I could. I might just bounce around like Tigger and not really pay attention to these deeper things that you're picking up on. Interesting. You place a high value on authenticity. Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Uh, say out loud what you're feeling and own that. And don't don't be fake. Don't pretend to go along with others just in order to please them in some way. Stand up and be your own person. Okay? Um, you feel you need to tell the truth. We could put little parentheses around that. Because it might be more like your perceptions of the truth. But you feel the need to tell the truth which sometimes people appreciate and sometimes what they don't they go ow that was offensive uh i don't ever want to be around that again not everybody really appreciates the truth or honesty and openness sometimes people are like nah eh, what well, let's just say what we need to say in order to get along and that could probably feel very slimy to you because no I can't pretend to be something I'm not. I can't pretend like everything's okay when it's not. Uh, You easily tune in how connected and disconnected you are from someone else. That's interesting. Like, you might walk into a room and know, like, what? I'm at a level three with this person? Or I'm at a level five with this person? Like, in terms of being connected, like... Things are moving back and forth or they're not. They're blocked in some way. You're sensitive to the space between yourself and others. Now that's so interesting because when I think about fives right next to you, they're very boundary-oriented people. Like they want everybody to stay in their own spaces. Like we're most happy when everybody stays in their own lanes and nobody intrudes on my space and intrudes on my boundaries. And here it says that fours are very sensitive to the space between us how we're connecting or how we're not connecting, how we're blocked or how the relationship is flowing. And not only yourself and others, but I think between others, like you might sense that Bob and Rick aren't getting along so well. wonder what's going on there. You know, wonder what that is about. Like you might pick up on that easier than other people pick up on it. I'm often surprised. Somebody will say, Hey, Tom, uh, you've probably noticed that I haven't, you know, and I've had this problem with you. And I'm like, "Uh, honestly, I haven't. I guess I should have paid more attention to that. Sorry, you've been upset for a week. I should have noticed. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our problems, right? We all have our problems. We all need to grow. Lord help us. Okay. You have a strong desire to feel understood, but you often feel misunderstood. Well, I mean, obviously, if you have a desire to be understood, then that's an important value to you. Now, that kind of starts to hint at what you bring into the world when you're doing well. Guess what you bring into the world? You help people feel understood. Think like the counselor, for example. If I was going through a crisis probably a good person to talk to would be a healthy four because they're going to help me by helping me feel understood and appreciated even in my brokenness. Like, it's okay for me to wrestle with deep things and deal with grief and bereavement and loss and tragedy, and the four's not going to panic and get nervous or start preaching a sermon to me about how I should focus on the better things in life, focus on how much blessings I have. Why do I need to go down this negative dark road I think fours you guys don't realize that you bring, you know, this very thing you're seeking, which is understanding of others and connection with others. And people are going to feel like very connected to you when you help when they feel understood by you. But you often don't feel understood by others because it's a very important value to you to feel understood. So you're gonna be very sensitive to whether or not you're being understood by others. Maybe I understand you and maybe I don't. We'll see. All right. Um, Was that the last one? That was the last one. So you tend to focus on what's missing. You tend to focus on what's not ideal, which is going to make you feel inadequate um, or different. And you're going to maybe feel that there's something about you that is, is lacking in comparison with others. When you compare yourself with others, you're probably going to focus on what's broken or what's missing in you. You're going to protect yourself by keeping people at a distance and by distancing yourself away from people. And if they truly care, they'll come after me. If they truly care, they'll, they'll, they'll seek this long, this connection with me. And they'll, they'll love me for who I am. Even though um, sometimes I struggle in, in really knowing who I am and, and everything about me. But they need to love me for who I am. Which they might not. And so I need to test them to see. Because it's so painful to think about losing that place of wonderful standing. Um, what is the last thing she says here in this section? Letting go of your false... Okay, more open to real connection with yourself and others by rising above your emotional ups and downs uh, and recognizing what is positive about you and being more present uh, to life as it is and not just that idealistic, dreamy, uh, rose-colored, pastel-painted, uh, idealistic future or past... Um, you know, it can be easy for us, for fours to be so in the future or so in the past that that's got to be better than the way things are right now, that they kind of disconnect from where real happiness is found in the present. Okay, wow. Challenging stuff. And I hope it's helpful for you to understand more about yourself and how your personality is wired. And remember, the whole goal of all of this is, of course, to be the best four you can be. But to some degree, is now that you know your personality, how can we lay it aside a little bit more, all of us? How could we lay that personality aside so it doesn't have so much control over us um, and be more present to life as it is? How could we, now that now who are we now that we think we know who we are? Now that I know I'm a four. How can I lay fourness aside a little bit and get a little space between me and the fourness so that I can better objectively see the world as it actually is around me and be able to engage in that world to give love and receive love from those that are trying to connect with me. Okay, guys. Thank you for watching the video. I hope it's helpful to you. I hope it's helpful for you guys that live with fours and love fours and relate to fours. And uh, we're all in this together. As always, be present to life. I'll see you next time.